car and never put it in the hands of the most greedy. Cause they're putting a price tag on the man's work. And it's a fashion show, so the men... KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. It's okay if you're wondering how the COVID-19 vaccine got here so fast. It was record time after all. And when you're ready, here's your answer. No steps were skipped. No shortcuts were taken. Years of research and determination paid off. Let's get you there. Let's get to immunity. Learn more at vaccinateall58.com or call 833-422-4255. Brought to you by the California Department of Public Health. Rice Fire Protection reminds listeners that more and more veterans will be returning home over the next few years, and many are local. These heroes have elite military training and valuable professional skills. They also need jobs, too. That's why Rice Fire Protection is encouraging all local businesses. Let's make it the year we hire smart and hire vets. That's a message from Rice Fire Protection at 24300 Vera Lane in Moreno Valley. For top quality service at prices you can afford, call 951-243-6677. That's 951-243-6677 for Rice Fire Protection. I always hear from our clients who hired another firm that they wish they'd hired DNA Financial first. Don't have regrets about your IRS tax case. Just hire the best in the first place. One owed $150,000 to the IRS and had spent thousands on another firm. We stopped the levies, negotiated a payment plan, and had their penalties forgiven. And while every case is different, we guarantee that we'll find your perfect resolution and get it done right. For a free consultation, call us at 866-201-0156. That's 866-201-0156. Then you can say, DNA DNA did did right right by me. me. Jason Medina, Coldwell Banker, Blackstone Realty reminds all area listeners to please get out and donate blood to salute the brave men and women of our armed forces that are overseas. Every pint of blood donated locally can save one or two brave soldiers overseas. So salute our troops, give back the gift of life by giving the gift of blood. This reminder from Jason Medina, Coldwell Banker, Blackstone Realty. Serving the area with pride and integrity. Whether you're buying, selling, leasing, or for more info, call 909-434-3026. That's 909-434-3026. That's Jason Medina, Coldwell Banker, Blackstone Realty, on the air because they care. Open for takeout and delivery, El Tapioc Mexican Food Restaurant in the Tri-City Center of Redlands is back. Their entire family is on hand to serve up their delicious burritos, machaca, chorizo, huevos rancheros, steak and eggs, just part of their mouth-watering great food. Since 1531, people have marveled at the miracle of El Tapioc, and now you can marvel at the great food the Lugo family has been serving up for over two decades. Nestled quietly in the corner of the Tri-City Center shopping mall next to Burlington Coat Factory. Support them. They can't wait to serve you some of their delectable, authentic, south-of-the-border Mexican fare at great prices, served up with love. Support the area's best-loved Mexican food restaurant in these tough times. Order up a tasty meal on the phone for delivery or takeout for breakfast, lunch, or dinner from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call 909-307-0017. That's 909 909- 307-0017 or Google El Tapioc Redlands and treat yourself. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Tahibo Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit TahiboTeaClub.com. Tahibo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T, and then the word club. The complete website is TahiboTeaClub.com. Or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's 818-610-8088. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. 
Call the Medicare Benefits Line now. It's easy. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Created and hosted by Scott Knudsen to explore the crossroads of horses and business. On today's show, Scott visits with Israeli equestrian champion Nancy Zetlin. Now here's your host, Scott Knudsen. Hi, and welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whether you're listening to us on the radio on KCAA, the NBC affiliate out in California, or if you're watching our podcast on one of our many platforms, we appreciate you tuning in and watching and listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Today, we have a very special guest, Nancy Zetlin. Nancy is American-born. She's an Israeli equestrian champion. She's had, she had an incredible professional career, and then she went over to Palestine and, and, and educated and built their team. And now there's a documentary called Enrained that's winning awards all over the world. Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, Scott, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Oh, it's such an honor to have you on the show. So we met in Dillon, Montana, <laughs> the Human Horse and Nature <laughs> Conference in Dillon, Montana. And it was a Montana Center for Horsemanship that invited us up there. And, and your documentary was one of the, um, the major movies that was there. And I was uh, blessed enough to speak. And it was in conjunction with the University of Montana Western. And that's kind of where we met. It is where we met. And uh, that, that since, is where we met. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, Sorry. I, I remember sitting on the bleachers looking at horses with you and you're next to me. And we just started talking horses. And I'm like, this is such a cool conference. You know, you're from you're living in Israel. I'm in South Texas and we're in Montana because of the horse. Yeah, and you 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 drove. I, I got to fly in an airplane. You drove all the way from Texas. When you told me that you drove all the way, I almost fell off that bleacher. It's pretty good we weren't sitting too high up on the bleacher. But yes, uh, Unrained, uh, Unrained is a wonderful documentary that was made about my life. It was made by the co-producers and co-directors, Marsha Rock and Naomi Goodman-Bass. And it was accepted to the Equus International Film Festival that was part of the conference in Montana. And I'm going to let you tell all of our viewers and listeners how many prizes it won. It won, if so you remember. So it, it won uh, Best Film. It won yeah. uh, uh, Cinematography. It won uh, Best Script. Um, ben, and, and also, you just won an award in Germany for Best Long Documentary. So it's yeah. winning all over the place. And, and what, what's that like going into the movie theater or a movie studio and seeing your life on the big screen and having people watch you? Yeah, weird. Okay, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I just, I'll just tell, I'll just give a little bit of background. The, the film was actually completed. I think it was completed maybe one month or just a couple of weeks before COVID broke out all over the world. And we had all these, you know, hopes of going to real life festivals. Nobody knew what COVID was at the time. And then, as everybody knows, everything closed down. And then for about a year and a half, we've been going online to film festivals and doing Zoom question and answers after, you know, people have a chance to look at the film and doing it live in a theater. Montana was the first time it was live in a theater. And it was really, really, it was like going to the movies, but your own movie. It right. was so much fun. It, it would have had to be. It's, it's, it's just an incredible story. And I, I remember after the conference that day, uh, you and I took the ride over to uh, University of Montana Western to the, um, this, the movie where they were going to show your movie. And I, I, it still makes me laugh today because as a Southern, you know, country guy, you know, I'm thinking we get out and we'll walk you to the door and we didn't know where it was. And, and, and you said, I, I made it from Israel to Palestine every day. I'm sure I can find a door. And I thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing. 
Um, but it, it was so neat to watch people that haven't seen the documentary. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, uh, the 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 well, we'll explain a little bit later about the Israel and the Palestine part. Yes. But yeah, when you when you have to go through um, through the Palestinian armed forces and the Israeli defense forces and across a war zone, then I think finding the the theater in the campus of Montana um, University it was it wasn't it wasn't all that challenging. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. So I, I guess let's talk growing up. So when you grew up, uh, did you know horses were going to be your your thing, horses. Oh, I, I knew that way back when. I think I think pretty much like most horse people. Well, with me, it happened when I was around three or four and I was playing with all the animals we play with, you know, collecting caterpillars and stray cats and everything. And my mom always reminds me that she asked me, why do I spend so much time with animals? So I said, they're, they're just nicer than people. So when you, when you're, and then we had, of course, the unbelievable Temple Grand Inn at the conference. And she was such a backup to this feeling that all of us have about, uh, about this connection with animals. So yeah, horses came in a little bit later when I was six, but I knew like so many of us, Scott, like so many of us know, we just know, and that's right. it. Yeah. And you're, 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 you're hooked for life, that's it. Absolutely. So, so when you started riding, did you know you had the natural, natural talent to build on to get to this level? Or, or did you just want to ride a horse and then it just kind of took off from there? I think just like every other little girl and boy, I just wanted to ride a horse. You know, to, to this day, a lot of times, you know, you know, parents will ask me, do you think my son or my daughter has talent? And I really, I really just, uh, I dump that question. I don't even answer it. I say, you know, if they love horses and they're good with horses and they work hard, you know, talent can kick in. And yeah, some people are more talented than other, but it's just so much about hard work and loving it and loving the animals and loving doing this as a way of life. Absolutely, the, the hard work part, but it's really not, to me, I just love being down there at the barn riding and, and, and working and taking care of them. You know, it's just a passion. So, and, yeah. and I'm so glad that there's so many young people and there's so many people that's maybe never ridden a horse that are gonna see you and, and hear this story and want to. And, and that's yeah. why this is so important. So, so what was your progression um, in, in Israel, without giving too much away of the documentary, I still want to talk a little bit about the life because it's your life is so much more than just that documentary. That's what's so incredible. Yeah, it was. I think it was pretty challenging for Marcia and Nomi to put sixty-three years into sixty-three minutes. Absolutely, it was. There was so much stuff going on there, and I think uh, they 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 had a really big job, and I think they did a great job. But just I'll give a really brief outline. I started riding when I was six in San Diego. And then when I was nine, our parents, I've got two, four siblings, two brothers and two sisters. And Scott, I want to tell you, we were so happy in San Diego. We had everything, <laughs> you know, we had, we, we had a swim, we had a nice house and a swimming pool and horses. And my, one of my brothers was the champion of California in tennis and then my dad had a good job. And then when I was nine, our parents told us that we're going to Israel. And I just thought, what? <laughs> what the heck? You got to be kidding. <laughs> We're fine. Why yeah. are we going to Israel? So this was a lifelong dream of my mom. And my dad really loves my mom. So he went along with it. And we were all schlepped to Israel when I was 10. And uh, way back then in Israel, the horse scene was not anything that you'd recognize now. It was based on these legendary figures that were either coming out of the British mandate um, you know, style of riding then or ex-cavalry officers from the Eastern European armies. And that was the beginning way back then in 1968. And, uh, but by then I already knew I wanted to be, or at least try to be a champion rider. And by the time I was 16, I was sure that I wanted to be Israel's first Olympic uh, equestrian. So I set my sights in the 1984 Olympics and I almost made it. I was training in Holland with the with the, the trainer of the Dutch Olympic team. And the year was 19, it, well, I started there in 1982, made it up to Pre-St. George with the horse we had. 
And then we needed another quarter of a million dollars to buy a horse that was, you know, good enough to make it to the 1984 LA Olympics. And at that time, there was a war going on in Israel and the funds were just not available. So I came back in 1983 and uh, followed by my soon to be first husband out of a number of husbands. And then, uh, you know, it was just like, we really, be, you know, equestrian sports in Israel, there were dressage and jumping were really in their infancy. And uh, it all took off, took off from there, my, my professional career. Right. That's so, it's such an incredible story. Just to that level is an incredible story. And it just keeps going as you're riding. Yeah. Scott will be right back with more from Nancy Zetlin. Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Today, we're going to talk about something I'm really passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. Those that don't, now you know I do. And we've been working on this for several months, and we, we wanted to get it just right. And we don't put our name on anything unless we feel 100% certain it's, it's the best product we can get. And uh, we, we've done it. I really believe we've done it. We've created a coffee line, 13 great flavors. I'm going to show you three of them. We have K-Cups in all 13 flavors. Here's a Jamaican Me Crazy. It's a, just a really great coffee. Everyone has great logos. It has a brand, the same brand that's on our horses, our trailers. You know that brand means something and we wouldn't put it on here if it wasn't good coffee. We have whole bean. This is a great Honduran blend and uh, it's a whole bean coffee. We have whole bean in all 13 flavors. And then we have a ground coffee. Uh, this is a really great one. My wife and I really like this a lot, loved it. So we named it after our daughter, Hayes Glenn. Everyone has the packaging and the logo of the show, our brand, and I hope you like it. I, I really believe you will. And we're gonna have more flavors coming out soon. We're gonna have the pumpkin spices and then we're gonna go to peppermint after that. And please send us your suggestions as well. You can find it at cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Think coffee shop, cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Thank you so much. So how did you um, know that I'm going to go help this other country? How did you say Palestine? I'm going to go over there and help. How did that come together? Okay, so um, it was uh, in 1999. By then I was divorced. Let's put that on the shelf. And I was also a single mother of my firstborn son, Eden. Um, no, we're going on to, to that period. Yeah, no, I was divorced. Sorry, I get confused with all the divorces. I was already divorced <laughs> twice. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. You know, it gets confusing. So uh, hey, I, just as long I, as you remember I, the horses' names, that's all that matters. Exactly, Scott. Yeah. That's what people don't understand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in my kitchen I have this little sign it says missing husband and dog reward for dog so that's, yeah. <laughs> so, so let me just get my let's let me just get my marriages and divorces straight okay right. so my first husband was a non-Jewish uh, uh, Dutchman who I met in Holland at the end of 1983 he followed me back to Israel and that was a big horse-based love story that ended after about nine years. And then I had one child out of wedlock. And then my second husband was a ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Jew. And I moved into that community for, for a while. There's a whole big story behind that. But that was my ultra-Orthodox period. I had a wig and you know clothes up to here and thick stockings and everything. Uh, that marriage lasted six months. So a while after that, a few years after that, I was a single mother of two boys. One was seven, Eden, and Liel was four. And I got this um, offer to come and train at the Jericho Equestrian Club in Jericho, which is within the Palestinian Authority territory for people who are listening uh, peace accords or, or, or the Oslo Accords were signed between the Palestinian Authority and the government of Israel in 1994-1995, which led to Yasser Arafat setting up headquarters in uh, Jericho, Ramallah, Jenin, Gaza, etc. 
So the late 90s were an era of peace. And Jericho had this beautiful, I, unbeknownst to me, Arafat and one of his uh, horse-loving aides had built this beautiful equestrian facility. I was offered to go down there and be the um, chief trainer and the co-director of the club, which I did because, you know, I'll, I, I'll, I'll love a good adventure. I'll try anything. I'll try anything once or twice or three times. But, you know, just to, just to explain this, this was an era of peace. And that's how that started. Well, just just incredible. I think in the documentary, just seeing the footage, it just makes it yeah. so real. You know, you can't you, there was no way to build a set for that. And, and to have that real footage is just so amazing. It just takes yeah. takes the, the person watching the movie, the documentary there. And and I, um, it, it was really special to watch. I, I couldn't imagine what it was like to actually live that life. Well, I, I think it really gets the viewer. It really gets you in the guts because, you know, on the one hand, horses are all about peace and love and harmony and cooperation and horses build these amazing bridges between people. And then, you know, and the footage that that's in the documentary is just a fragment of everything that was going on in our region and in my life and in Israelis' lives and in Palestinians' lives. And it's just, you know, and, and it's interesting to hear what you're saying because the visuals, just even though they're just a fraction of what was really going on, they're pretty hard hitting. And the film, I think, does a beautiful job of, of like, you know, taking the viewer back and forth between, you know, oh my God, this is a real, real bloodbath over there. And there she is teaching Palestinian kids how to ride horses, you know, heels down and sit straight yes. while there's, you know, explosions all over the place. It, it, it's amazing to watch. And, and I could not imagine what it was like to actually cross the border with two kids and to go into that. But it, yeah. it's amazing your bravery, but um, the horse just put it together. You know, yeah, and that horses, uh, horses put it all together. And and I think uh, in in the prize in the award giving ceremony in Montana that we just attended, when I got up to the podium and I you know it was like this Academy Oscar Awards, but I hadn't prepared a speech or anything, and I thought now what do I say? And I just I just spoke from my heart and I said you know I've I've been waiting for two months to come to Montana to spend three days with horse people and just sitting there looking at everybody. In, in that wonderful ceremony, you know, with this wonderful dinner. And then I said, not horse, it's not horse people, it's my people. And these are people like you that I've never met before. Right. And we talked about this before, and I think everybody felt the same way. These are my people. Mm -hmm. Horse people are my people. And that's the way it was in Jericho. And that's the way it's always been for me, and I'm sure for you and everybody traveling around the United States of the world, you know, we're just our people. Horse people are just our people. Yeah, absolutely. It was a special group for sure. And and yeah. the people were there for the right reasons. And and when you yeah. gave your speech, uh, you didn't know it wasn't written. It was beautiful what you said. And and uh, thank you. But it was well deserved. And I thought the movie it's, or the documentary itself was just so beautiful the way it was put together. It, it really did put you in in that moment without mm -hmm. the danger that you experienced. So, so what was it like when you would cross the border with your two boys and, and you knew you were going over there to train and educate other kids and, and other adults to ride a horse? Well, I'll just give a little bit of background, you know, to that Please. as well. Before, before the outbreak of violence, it's called Intifada in Arabic. It was the second Intifada. It broke out in September 2000. And as you can see in the film, just all hell broke loose and within days the whole region was a bloodbath violence on both sides and the Jericho that had been open until then actually there had, uh, a casino had been built in Jericho gambling is illegal in Israel so this beautiful casino had been built in Jericho and five or six thousand Israelis a day were going down to Jericho just to gamble their money away and spend their money and all of a sudden everything stopped and the army encircled uh, Jericho, but again, there were reasons for it. There was violence going on on both sides. And so Jericho was sealed off. And then I had to make a decision if I'm going to keep, you know, keep doing my day job. 
<laughs> because, it, you know, it was this, this funny, not funny, it was this weird juxtaposition of this is my job, this is my work, these are the people I work for and with, and I believe in this, I believe in building bridges through the equestrian community. Absolutely. And uh, once Jericho was sealed off, it was, it was illegal. Jericho is part of Area A. According to the Oslo Accords, Area A is an area that's, that's under um, the Palestinian Authority jurisdiction and uh, sovereignty in many ways. So uh, I was so for nine and a half years after that, I was breaking the law. So I had to actually go to the outskirts of Jericho, park my car, and as you can see in the film, walk across this no man's land with Israel Defense Force uh, jeeps and soldiers and officers and tanks patrolling the area. So it, it was like it was this liminal it was this liminal existence because. The, you know, there's so much hate on this side and there's so much hate on the other side. And just all those years were like living on this razor's edge of this, this conflict. You know, the Amer like I said in Montana, the American president has yet to be born. Well, I hope not, but I hope the American president will be born. They can help the two sides here get out of this uh, right. terrible situation. But it, it's got to be one of the worst conflicts and ongoing conflicts and I was just going down there to you know to do my thing with horses and people right. so yeah it was life-threatening and I couldn't imagine doing it for that long with two boys yeah. and just taking them across and, and and work with horses and work with um another country and then yeah. come back and then do it again um yeah just just amazing and uh, as you began the training after your first year to the nine to the eight nine year range, did you just see the equestrian team grow and the people be yeah. attracted? I actually have a picture. I just want to show two pictures here. Oh, please do. This yeah. is the. Uh, oh yeah. Wait. Let's see if you can see this well. This is actually the uh, basketball field that was next to the equestrian center. Wow. And uh, this this was, uh, you know, in the back, if you can see in the back, you can see the mountains of Jordan. Yes. So anybody who knows where Jericho is, it's in this it's in the gorgeous, gorgeous Jordan Valley. And then you've got the mountain range of Israel on the west and the Jordanian mountains on the uh, east and then the Dead Sea. So that was the that was uh, a demonstration that we gave uh, during an event there. With the, and that's the Palestinian flag, and that's Yasser Arafat, the chairman of the uh, previously PLO, Palestine Libera Liberation right. Organization, and then president of the Palestinian Authority. And talking about one year, this was pretty much my group after one year. Oh my! So this is, yeah, it's wonderful. It's it's in the arena at the Jericho Equestrian Club. So this is one of the first competitions we had, and the whole thing about you know, wearing white shirts and ties and everybody with decent riding pants and helmets. That was it. That was a first. That was a huge, huge accomplishment. So first team went to compete in Jordan after approximately a year, a year and a half after I started there. And that was our first time abroad. And the big times abroad were in the middle of the 10 year period, 2005, 2006, when we actually traveled to the Emirates to Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And we also traveled to Algeria for competitions. And then there I was, the Jewish Israeli trainer of the Palestine equestrian team, but kind of incognito as an American. It, 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 it's so fascinating. <laughs> it's so fascinating to hear that. And everybody in their own circle think they're 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 competitive they might be you know the top but when you hear these stories it just kind of opens it up to the world and i i remember in the documentary something you said when when the team was traveling and they might have not had the fanciest uniforms or the most modern uniforms they said focus on the ride focus on the horse focus on your job and i love that and that that's so important for anyone in our industry or wants to be in our industry it, it you don't have to have the fanciest stuff just as long as you can ride better and your, your horse is trying and y'all are in unison. That's so powerful. Exactly. And uh, I, I think, again, the juxtaposition, juxtaposition was so extreme, you know, coming with 
with my team, like I say in the film, they had on, you know, plastic helmets and rubber boots and, and uh, $20 pants that somebody donated. And I told them, don't forget to put on a belt. I mean, you've got to look decent. Yes. And then you go to the Emirates, you know, with all these, these uh, wealth beyond belief. Sure. And I think that really, really put a focus on, on what you just mentioned, which is, okay, we all know that it can be a very expensive sport. We all know how much it costs to be at the top levels, but that should never, ever, ever stop anybody from, from riding and being involved with horses. And actually, the young man at the time, Khalid, he's in the film, the young man that actually came from Jericho to the Emirates, he was actually born and raised in the Jericho refugee camp. Wow. So this is a, a, a dark-skinned boy born into poverty, raised in poverty. And then at the age of 15, he came to the stables just to clean stables. And he ended up representing his country in the United Arab Emirates. So everybody out there, just go for it. Absolutely. And that visual of, of walking around the facility and all the thousands of people looking at them, that had to be such an accomplishment. I couldn't imagine what that felt like for him or for you or for the team. Well, it was, again, I thought that was the competition in Algeria. Mm -hmm. And Algeria was holding the Pan-Arab Games, which is the equivalent of the Arab Olympics. And they had they have all the, you know, like 20 or 30 different sports. And the, the opening ceremony of the whole thing was on the evening of Yom Kippur. I'll just explain to our viewers and our Please. listeners, Yom Kippur is, a, is the most solemn and somber and saddest day in our Jewish calendar. And again, it's just like, you know, when I was looking at the film, actually, when I was shown the first draft of it, I thought, no way, no way, this, this lady didn't do this. <laughs> and no way, she didn't do that. And it was about me. And I know that I did it. So anyway, yes, yes. so there's, there's, there's the evening of Yom Kippur and all of Israel is shutting down. And I'm in Algeria. And I don't even think at that time that, or even maybe until now, Israelis can enter Algeria. And, you know, like you see in the, in the Olympics, when you walk into the, into the um, stadium and everybody starts cheering. So there's 50,000 Arabs in there. For me, it's the evening of Yom Kippur. And they all started chanting in blood and in spirit, we shall redeem you, Palestine, because they were so excited to see the Palestinian team. And Scott, let me tell you, it was one of the it was one of the weirdest moments ever because I was saying to myself, I did it. I got this team here. I I I am the trainer of the first. Palestinian equestrian jumping team. But this is really weird. Yeah. I should be at home with my family praying and starting the Yom Kippur fast. So there was a lot of um, liminal and extreme things going on. That just that one that one part of your life is just amazing because you do have that inner fight with yourself. Do I need to be home or do I need to be with the team? And and, and you lifted that team and gave them a generational gift. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I think the lesson, uh, well, my kids didn't have a very easy time. I mean, I can't imagine being my own kid. It must have been really, really challenging <laughs> having, having a mom. They turned out great, by the way. But I yes. think they had a few challenges along the way. And I think one of the main lessons that I taught my kids and I think I would like to share with people is that things are complicated. Things are really, really complicated. And, and each and every one of us just wants to stay in our comfort zone. So, you know, most Israelis want to stay in their comfort zone on this side of the conflict and most Palestinians. And, and, it, and it's, it can be on any conflict, any situation, any religion. We all just want to stay, you know, nice and cozy with what we are familiar with. And right. I think that one of the biggest lessons is this is complicated. You know, put your ears to the ground and listen carefully because we're not whoever you are or your, your group is. You're not the only person around and you're not the only group around. So I think that's a big lesson. It's a huge lesson. You're absolutely right. And there's always somebody yeah. that you can learn from and, and, 
And you never know where that next incredible writer or teacher is going to come from. And yeah, exactly. That's, that's really special. So something so, I'd like to show you from that uh, something I'd like to show you from that period. Yes, please. So again, please. Yeah, I, I, I do not. You know, the politicians and the leaders um, have not yet been able to make this happen. But let me just show this. Can the camera see that well? Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. Okay, so it's a it's a beautiful GPA uh, helmet. It was yes. given to us in Jericho. We actually got three helmets. The first one had just the Israeli flag. One had just the Palestinian flag. And this is the, a one of a kind in the world here. I'm holding it in my own hands. That's so and awesome. it's, a, it's, it's a unique design. There is no other one like it. It was given to us by Michelle Finkel, who's the owner of the GPA. And it's kind of like the Palestinian flag, you know, and the Israeli, Israeli. flag combined. So and beautiful. so, so beautiful. It, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, and the world is full of people that call me naive and worse names, but <laughs> I, I, I'm, this is a respectable show, right? I'm not going to go into all the Absolutely. Names <laughs> but it just shows how short-sighted they are because what you're doing yeah. matters, you know? Yeah. You know, they can call names all they want, but what you did is positive actions, you know, and that's all that yeah. matters in the world. And you did yeah. it. So I don't, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't go into politics and I don't want to go down that path at all. But again, getting back to our beloved horses, that's, that's the magic that horses do. Absolutely. If, if horses, if horses could, could create this through my work and they're, you know, inviting me and hiring me to train them and accepting me because this, this was a real, this was a pretty rough two-way street for both sides. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about my courage and my this and my that. But, you know, you have got to look at the other side, too, and say and and and, and be aware that for them, Israel is the enemy without right. getting into politics or security. And uh, this was for them, to, especially after the violence broke out, the Intifada broke out for them to employ again a jewish israeli woman you know jewish and israeli and a female in a in a in a very male dominated society that was that was pretty big absolutely for them as well absolutely and and when you would leave that was a dangerous trip home but for them to stay was dangerous as well because what you just said well what do you mean for the Palestinian, they, right. they were inside Jericho. Right. For them to stay there and know that there were some people that maybe didn't agree with the decision um, to have that, to be in Palestine and, and to have those people there, maybe not happy with who they hired to be their teacher or their coach. Yeah, it was it was a big challenge for them. I mean, they you know, they had to I don't want to say stick to their guns because there's there's way too many guns in the Middle East. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely they uh, this, you know, they I think it was life threatening for a number of people. Yeah. Yeah. And And they uh, and I think when when the the trips abroad together with the team started, I, I wasn't really in the inner loop of what was going on behind the scenes, but I do know that the host countries, the host Arab countries, were not thrilled about my nationality and my religion. And my Palestinian co-workers and, and, and employers, you know, all the way up to the highest levels, I, to the best of my knowledge, they said, she's our trainer. And if she doesn't come, we don't come. So that's a huge thing. Strong statement. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Scott will be right back with Nancy Zetlin. For more information on Scott Knudsen, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com. Hi, I'm Scott Knudsen, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard on KCAA Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific. I'd like to talk to you about something I'm very passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. In the morning, afternoon, and even late in the evening, I enjoy a good cup of coffee almost any time of the day. Now, my team at the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show has been working for several months on creating and introducing our own brand of coffee. We wanted to make sure that we got it just right. 
We don't want to put our name on anything unless we're 100% certain that it's the best product available, and we've finally done it. We have created a wonderful line of coffees, 13 fantastic flavors offered in whole bean, ground, and K-cups, any way you like to brew your coffee. Now, each of our coffees carries our brand, the very same brand that we put on our horses, our trailers, and our chaps. So you know that this is a quality product. And we only use 100% Arabica beans, the very best beans available. Just listen to some of these wonderful blends and flavors. Jamaican Me Crazy, Honduran San Marcos, Chocolate Cherry Amaretto, Breakfast Blend, and my very favorite, Haley's Blend. A coffee so good, we named it after my daughter. You can order these coffees today by going online to cowboyentrepreneur.shop. That's cowboyentrepreneur.shop. And if you order today, you can get an extra 10% off your final purchase just by entering the promo code COWBOY on checkout. Remember, that's promo code COWBOY for an extra 10% off. Just go to cowboyentrepreneur.shop to order your coffee today. Maybe not moving on, but let's go back a little bit. So when, when you were riding, you, you held a 20-year record for jumping, correct? Can we I talk? Did. Yeah, let's let's talk a little <laughs> bit about that. See if there's maybe a picture and and uh, for all okay, of us. Okay, yeah, there's a picture. Awesome. I'm prepared. Awesome. So so there were no European warm bloods in Israel up till the early '80s, and then you can see the picture behind me over there. That's yes. actually Dutch Delight. She was a three-year-old Dutch uh, warm blood, the first uh, Dutch import to Israel, and that was the beginning of the equestrian scene in Israel, you know, moving into the modern era of, of warm bloods and, and a higher level of dressage and jumping. So the 80s saw this wave of imports from Holland and then, you know, Germany, Belgium and so on and so forth. And one of the horses that was imported by a, a friend of mine was this broken down neurotic uh, chestnut mare with two bow tendons. And so wow. he brought her to he brought he brought her to me and he said, "Would you like to train?" <laughs> so you know who, who you know who would say no to an offer like that? You yeah. know, broken down, thin, neurotic, and two bow tendons, just exactly yeah. what we all want in our life. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. so I started wait. working with couldn't couldn't wait. Yeah, best offer <laughs> I ever had in my life. Yeah, me and my marriages and this chestnut mare. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, her name was Gloria. And for three years, I every jumping competition I rode and I had a basketball score. I swear, Scott, it was always I had a 20 faults. If I wasn't eliminated, it was up in the 20s or the 30s or something. Fourth year, we won everything. We won the national championships and a compet an annual competition that we have in memory of one of our friends, Rami Shalgi, who was killed in the war while I was training in Holland. And we won that, that was, the sec that was a prestigious show. And then I went ahead and set the high jump record for Israel. And here's a picture. Oh, that's so, so cool. Can everybody see it well? Oh yes, that's beautiful. So Love that's Gloria. Oh wow. And uh, that's me being brave and courageous. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, that was, you know, talking about challenges and stuff i think anybody that has anything to do with horses uh gets so much more satisfaction out of a challenge like that than buying or being bought a ready-made horse absolutely so, uh, absolutely that such a beautiful picture so so what was how tall was the jump uh, well i'm not good in feet and inches it was one meter 75. oh wow so it, it, that was big. <laughs> that, that's yeah. huge. So, so, yeah. so when you're going over that jump, do you see the other side or the ground or are you just seeing elevation before you drop? I don't know what I saw, but I, she, I, I just, I, I just hope that Gloria saw that there's, there's, you know, soil on the other side. Of this there you jump. go. Yeah. <laughs> she, she trusted me <laughs> enough. And really there were, there were three attempts. The first attempt I turned away. And the second attempt, I got it all wrong. I couldn't have got it more wrong. And she actually, she actually stumbled and fell into the jump. So if I had fallen, or if her shoulders or her hindquarters had hit the ground, that would have been elimination. 
so Providence, uh, you know, Providence was with me. And the third jump, we got it all right. And then that uh, record stood for 20 years. And it was actually beaten by a young female rider, super talented. And she jumped, I don't remember exactly which year it was, but it was a 20 year record. She jumped one meter 95, Wow! this young girl. And I was so proud of her. So I thought, okay, if my record's gonna be beaten, then let it be beaten by someone like that. Absolutely. Wow, that picture and was also so she, 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 she set that record on, on a thoroughbred that you wouldn't look twice at. So all fairy tale stories. Yeah, you never know. That's why, you know, you never, you never turn your nose at anything. You know, you just never no, know. Yeah. You can't, you can't see that heart or that spirit sometimes. And, and those have been some of my favorite horses are the ones that were real gritty that just had a lot of try and want to. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so as far as your favorite horse, would 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 that one be it, or do you have a favorite? Oh, Scott, that's not a fair question. That's like no, it's not. <laughs> it's not fair at all. You know, it's no, not. That's not fair. I I think there's uh, I think there's uh, three or four, maybe five horses that are that are in my heart mm -hmm. after all that's these years, sweet. and and each one for a different reason. This right. this Dutch uh, mare, she was uh, she was wild. She would just take you up to a tree and rub you into the tree and 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 get you off. And and she was a real difficult one, but she worked out okay. And then there was Gloria with the with the high jump. And then there were there was a dressage horse that I almost made it to the Olympics with. So there's I think there's four or five horses that yeah. each are solid in my heart. That's wonderful. That, that's yeah. wonderful. So, so when you're looking at a horse, um, what was your breed that you, your go-to breed for what, for jumping? Did you have Dutch one? Warm bloods, Dutch warm bloods. European warm bloods. Yeah. Yeah. So all this, this big importing, importing of the, of the European warm blood started in the eighties, early eighties. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much everybody's go-to breed. And, you know, over the past 10, 20 years, I'm not an expert on breeding, but the sport horses and dressage and jumping have just, it's become such a, a, a perfected science, the breeding and the level of the horses that are being bred now and that are in the sport. It's just incredible in dressage and in jumping. And don't ask me about polo or racing or barrel racing because I have no <laughs> idea. I, I, no. I, I know the quarter horses are littler than European horses, right? A absolutely. Yes, they are. There you go. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, that, that so you're makes, also a judge, right? my knowledge. Uh, but to see, but that, that's okay because they all fit a purpose. You know, they yeah. all have their purpose and and that's, that's what makes them so special, you know? Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so and you're- they, yeah, I'm an FEI, FEI level three jumping judge. And I'm, I'm a national dressage in course, uh, national dressage jump in course designer. And for lots and lots of years, I'm not supposed to say my age, right? So, or I didn't say my age, right? Okay, so lots nobody lots would ever years, guess for it. Lots <laughs> for lots and lots of years, I've been an examiner for instructors and trainer courses in Israel. And I also have a therapeutic uh, instructor's certificate. Wow. And now, now that we got to the show off part, I also did a law degree two years ago. I finished that, that was unfinished business. And I just got qualified as a mediator, which is something that I'm hopefully gonna get into and succeed in it because mediation, you know, after all these years, it just feels like, okay, you know, take everything you know and and put it all together to help people in Absolutely. conflict. That's so, yeah. so special. So um, I guess let's go to the horse. So you judge, you, you teach and, and you rode. Which, which one, do you have a favorite or at the time period when you did each one, was that the, the perfect thing for you to be doing? Because teaching think, is a generation. I think the second, yeah, the second second part of your sentence. I think things are time appropriate. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as we get older, there is no way. And and there was a long period where I didn't ride very much and I didn't compete at all the period in Jericho. And 
you know, the years take their toll. And I think you have to be graceful with yourself about it. Right. And, and just to realize that, you know, you're not that young anymore. And as long as you keep on writing, if you want to, then, then that's wonderful. Just the ability to still, to still be able to write is wonderful. But the judging and the international judging was very time appropriate, age appropriate. And uh, yeah, so I think everything, you know, in the Bible, it says to everything, there is a season Absolutely. and a time for every purpose under heaven. Beautiful. So same with us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when we were sitting in Montana on those bleachers, looking at those horses in the arena and we were talking in the back of your mind, were you looking at that horse saying if he carried himself a little bit different or judging a little bit, like, do you revert back um, when you watch horses? Mm. Do I revert back to like when we were watching the horses and they were doing their thing in the arena, we're sitting there talking and I found myself looking at that horse, the way he carried himself and the way he, uh, his stride, do you kind of go back as a judge or do you look at that horse as a rider, a former rider? Um, how do you, mm, I think, well, well, the, what we were watching was uh, Ashley Mancuso's yeah. uh, yoga demonstration. Uh -huh. And I, will, I was just overwhelmed by this young woman. Absolutely. Um, Ashley, she is amazing. And, and for me, at that moment, she was the focus of what I was looking at. Uh -huh. Her body language with the horses, what she was describing about yoga. And, right. you know, and then there was one horse that was, wasn't very patient about being there. Right. And just the whole way she dealt with that. So, no, but the horses there weren't moving very much. It wasn't like I was judging them in dressage or anything. Yeah. And Ashley was just she, amazing. Complete control. And I, I was looking yeah. at the horses and I was watching them, how they were getting softer. Some of them, yeah. except for that mm -hmm. one and, and how she moved them around. But I, I was watching that thinking that's something I can, I can put into my program to make a horse a little mm -hmm. bit softer, maybe, you know, so I'm always trying to learn something and, and uh, get a little bit better um, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so being an attorney now, so a lawyer, so what, what, what is the, what's the degree in what, what part of law? Well, it's not, it's, it's a little bit different. I think it's different in Israel than in the United States. What I actually have is an LLB, which is a oh. bachelor of law. Okay. And in order to become a, a full-fledged law, lawyer or attorney, you have to in Israel do an internship and then the bar exams. And halfway through my law studies, I was introduced to mediation. And I thought, I don't, I don't want to be in an adversarial situation anymore. All these lawyers, you know, they're constantly yeah. in these win-lose. You no, know, it's kind of a stereotype because there's all kinds of areas of law. But I thought, nah, I don't, I'm not sure I want to continue or be in a win-lose situation. And I think being a competition rider all those years, I mean, some people win and some people lose sure. and in a competition. So we had enough of that. And just being introduced to mediation, I thought this is this is right up my street. I want to finish the law degree, which I did, and become qualified as a mediator, and then take it down that path. I, I love that, and it just jumped. I was going to ask you what was more competitive, a law degree or in the horse arena? And by doing mediation, that makes that makes sense. That answered the question. Yeah, and people, yeah. you know, people are very career oriented or, or achievement oriented. And when I said, I don't want to become a lawyer, they, they thought I was nuts. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this to become a lawyer. I'm doing this because I wanted to do this for 30 years. Having done that, what path do I want to take it down? And it's, it's definitely mediation. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. You get mellow eventually. We're supposed to mellow eventually. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you've been helping people your whole life too. That's just, figure that's where you'd go for sure. So, so, so somebody that is maybe not in the horse world, how would you encourage them to get in the horse world? Because if you're not in the industry, it's kind of hard if you're not around the horse. Yeah. Well, again, Israel is a really small country mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, coming to Montana and, you know, driving two hours just to go to the grocery store. That was, that was a, a big experience. Well, not the grocery store, but it's so big in the States, especially Montana. Israel is small. So it is not logistically, it's not difficult at all to, um, to start riding. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the higher up you go in the levels, the more expensive it gets. But I think and almost anywhere in the world, I think pretty much anybody can go to their local riding club or pony club or uh, even just a petting corner with ponies. Right. And uh, and the that wonderful interview you had with Stephanie about yes. the Brayer horses. I hope I yes. pronounced that correctly. Yeah, yeah. And she, you know, when she just said that the kids just start playing with the with these um, sculptures with the Brayer horses, and then they actually go and touch a horse, and then they actually start riding. So I, I think you and I and every single horse person in the world encourage every single child in the world to to get close to a horse absolutely it's beautiful yeah be ambassadors yeah. for sure for yeah. sure so so you're an entrepreneur and a lot of our audience are is entrepreneurs that they want to be entrepreneurs you know you you were a trainer you've had your own business in the horse world now you're an attorney or you know you're a lawyer and there's so many things you've done and the entrepreneur side what's some advice to somebody in a with a business or that wants to be in business uh Good question. And I also learned how to say good question when I'm not sure about the answer. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, something, awesome. that's something I picked up from American television. You know, there you stall a couple seconds. That was a great question. Great question. <laughs> great question, Scott. I'm not quite sure I know the answer. <laughs> because again, I, I come from a very, very different country. Israel uh -huh. is, is different in so many ways from the United States. So I'm not quite sure I can give any entrepreneur advice to anybody. And I will admit here to the world that uh, I'm not a financial genius at all. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm one of those people that have not uh, um, made any wealth financially out of choosing this path. Right. Uh, so I, you know, I don't really have any, you know, I, I've always followed my heart and I'm going to, answer the question that you didn't ask because I don't know the answer to the question that you yeah, asked. Yeah, do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so actually what I'm what I'm looking forward to after Unrain is I'm working with a um, friend and a screenplay writer and a business consultant. It's all one and the same person. His name is Skip Weissen. He's from San Diego. And we're actually working on trying to get a Netflix series uh, about awesome. my life. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we, we want to, we both feel that there's more than enough uh, content here for a Netflix series. Absolutely. And, uh, but that's not the end of the story. The real reason I want to do the Netflix series is in order for that to um, enable me to make my really big dream come true, which is setting up a equestrian center in Israel for healing. And I'll just mentioned that therapeutic riding is very big in Israel. Mm -hmm. But uh, but uh, having said that, my vision is for a center that uh, would put together different groups of people that I've already worked with. I've worked with PTSD war veterans and disadvantaged youth and children with cancer. Those are the three things for personal reasons and all kinds of reasons. Uh, and I have this vision of a center where I integrate these groups and, and empower and, and able the, the so-called patients or the people that are doing therapy to actually become therapists themselves. So for example, I worked for, I worked for a couple of years with the Ethiopian youth at risk here in Israel. And after two years of working with them and having them in competitions, then four of them actually became instructors. So they actually got a, a, a profession. They could make a living out of it. So I can see having this program with, with youth at risk, then becoming, you know, horse people, experienced yeah. horse people, working with the PTSD war veterans, the war veterans working with the kids uh, with, with cancer and just integrating this and taking it out of the the way that we always look at it, which is the therapist and the patient or the therapy and just right. putting them in a, in a different position in their life. So actually the, hopefully if the Netflix series works and, uh, and the, the funding comes in, then that'll be my, my That's big an thing. incredible project, incredible yeah. project. 
And, and what's so cool about it is, is it just keeps going. Even after the documentary, there's just so many great more things that you're doing. And, and it's, it helps people, you know, yeah. and that's, that's so special. And the therapeutic writing is just, it's so intense because it, it works. It absolutely works. And horses have a healing power about them. Notice that he's very clean. I think, uh, a very I think you know, of the... Of the KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Mm.